the Comic Book Time Machine presents The Week of Weird. Seven days of weird comics. Day five, a weird coincidence. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Comic Book Time Machine, a podcast about comic books past and and present, really, which is what we're having with this episode. We we are going to the distant present, (laughs) going back in time to talk about two comic books from just a couple months ago. Actually, not even not even that long ago. Uh, My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I am a fellow comic book time traveler, and I am doing this week of weird, which is seven episodes of the comic book time machine every day, the last week of October leading up to Halloween. And so that's why we have the, uh, the weird theme, you know, Halloween it's coming. And so for this episode, uh, the weirdness comes from a weird coincidence. And this is another one that uh, it's not one that I had planned as long as I had planned the two, the anthology horror one from from yesterday's episode. But these two comics are comics I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a while now, really ever since I bought them. Um, I bought them, uh, one of them I bought the day it was released and the other one I bought, um, well, I probably bought it on the day it was released, but I read it on the day I read the second one. So I read them both on the same day and it was around the time that, uh, uh, the Predator came out. Actually, it was the day after I went and saw The Predator uh, that I read these comics. Not that I bought them, but that I read them. And uh, yeah, it was fun and nice to actually read, you know, a, a book about a group of men going up against a monster that um, wasn't just complete, not complete garbage. The Predator wasn't complete garbage. It was just close to it. It just wasn't great. So anyway, uh, I'm not here to talk about The Predator. I'm here to talk about um, Venom, although that movie, eh, we could talk about that too, you know. Um, oh, and the comic book that I got free when I went to that movie, it was this free special movie edition. And we got the comic book. We walked into the theater. We got our popcorn and we went and sat down. And it was dark in the theater because the trailers had already started. So we didn't read the comic book. I'm so glad we didn't read the comic book before the movie because it would have spoiled a whole lot of the movie. It was just a couple scenes from the movie, adaptations, two-page scenes from the movie. And yeah, so reading it before the movie would have spoiled the movie. Reading it after the movie, it didn't add anything new to the movie experience. It wasn't like, hey, here's a little adventure with Eddie Brock. I And I'm not, I don't even know who worked on that book. And so, um, you know, whoever worked on that book, I'm, I'm not, they did a really good job at adapting the, the movie. It just, you know, it, it wasn't the whole story. It was just kind of, it was just kind of a mess. It just wasn't, wasn't a good thing. I don't know. One of the worst comics I've, I've read in a long time. Um, just because it was just these short little vignettes from the movie. They they didn't really even go together in any kind of narrative sense other than, hey, they're all scenes from the same movie. It just, yeah. Anyway, um, after I watched The Predator, I went home the next day. I'm reading these two comics, and uh, yeah, I was struck by a coincidence. 
So here's what we have. We have two comics. We have two different wars in the past. We have two creatures from Marvel's history. We have two retcons going on. And we have one man linking them together. And that's Nick Fury. But what's interesting is that we really get two Nick Furies in these two stories that take place in the same uh, continuity. You know, this is Marvel 616 history that we're looking at here. Now, I knew when I bought Journey into Mystery, the birth of Krakoa, that I knew this would feature Nick Fury. I'd read that somewhere. I knew that I could expect this comic book to be a World War II Nick Fury tale, which that's what, that's what I was expecting. And honestly, that's, that's what I got. But then I opened Web of Venom, Venom, which is, or Venom, Venom. I don't know how you're, how you're going to say Venom, 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 Venom. That's how we're saying it. Venom. I opened up Web of Venom, Venom, Venom. Oh my goodness. Maybe I should, uh, yeah. In my notes, I use that word, V-E apostrophe N-A-M, Venom. Um, maybe I should change it to Web of Venom <laughs> instead, though. Um, yeah. Anyway, I opened it up just seconds later. I finished reading Birth of Krakoa. I closed that book and I picked up Web of Venom. Whatever. I picked it up just you know seconds later. It was literally the next thing I read, and it was like I was, you know, other than the fact that I had to put down one to pick up the other one, it was like I turned the page and just jumped into this next thing. And on page, I think it was four or five. There's Nick Fury with his eye patch now because before it was Nick Fury pre-eye patch, and this is Nick Fury post-eye patch. And uh, it was a pleasant surprise. What was even more surprising was just the way these two books kind of linked together uh, thematically and linked together in you know ways that kind of uh, some of them are ways that were similar and others, you know, the differences um, were, were more about differences between um, these kind of two different Nick Furies. Uh, yeah, it just, it was a pleasant surprise that these two comics went together so well. So in Journey into Mystery, The Birth of Krakoa, number one, <laughs> but it's a one shot, we get a Nick Fury who is a strong and intense, but compassionate leader. And this Nick Fury, he values life and is willing to sacrifice um, but he's also willing to sacrifice conflict in order to save life. He's willing to put down his guns if that helps to save life. And this Nick Fury, he wants to know the enemy in order to figure out how to defeat the enemy and is willing to not destroy the enemy after he comes to know the enemy. This is Nick Fury, Sergeant Nick Fury, soldier. In Web of Venom, the Nam, number one, also a one shot. We get a Nick Fury who is he's a strong and intense and uncompromising leader. Uncompromising in that he's not willing to compromise with anyone, but he does uh, make some compromises because this Nick Fury, he's willing to make the tough decisions and is willing to sacrifice lives to save lives. So this Nick Fury will use the enemy if it helps him defeat another enemy. And he is not willing to accept 
defeat. This is Agent Nick Fury, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And so I'm just going to kind of bounce back and forth between these two things uh, as, I, as I talk about it. Uh, Journey into Mystery, Birth of Krakoa, features a monster that is an island. So that's what you're getting into with this thing. Um, this is uh, the origin story of the island that the X-Men visit in giant-sized X-Men number one. And when Nick Fury and his guys end up on this island, it, it at first feels like it's going to be just, you know, shape up to be one of those mysterious island kind of um, land that time forgot kind of things. But you know, if you know anything about Krakoa, that the, the island is alive. And so this is this is the origin story for for that. Uh, v Nam features a monster that is not Venom. Okay. <laughs> it's a little bit of a retcon story that sets up the fact that in history, symbiotic creatures from Venom's race had been here before, but in slightly different forms. And this is not an origin story, but it is intended to kind of um, expand I, from what I understand, it's intended to expand on the the history of Venom in Earth, on, on the Marvel 616's Earth. So Birth of Krakoa is a World War II story, as I said before. And the Nick Fury here is grizzled and hardened, but also idealistic. While in Vietnam, this is a Vietnam War tale. And the Nick Fury there, he is determined and he is no nonsense, but he's also, I think, disillusioned. And if not disillusioned, then he is um, illusioned in the wrong way, (laughs) but he's not idealistic anymore. He still is fighting for those ideals, but he is not fighting with those ideals, using those ideals. Both of these versions of the character have seen terrible things. Uh, in fact, they see terrible things just in these two one-shot comics. In Krakoa, uh, Nick Fury witnesses the test of a bomb that will change the course of history and the war. They are, of course, testing an atomic bomb. As a result of this, they crash land on the island, and the island itself has been transformed by the bomb. And his men are being transformed as well. In Vietnam, uh Venom, uh, Nick Fury is developing a weapon himself that will change the course of history. This weapon is an alien symbiote that they have found, and they want to use it to make super soldiers. And they field test it with a soldier, but the soldier ends up going off script. They, they lose track of him, so they need to send in a team. Uh, and this team is Fury himself and Wolverine to corral the, the alien and its host uh, before someone else finds it and they're able to use it as a weapon. And what, and what's interesting here is this is, you know, taking place obviously during the Vietnam conflict and it's taking place during a time when uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America himself is not on the scene from what I can tell. And, you know, you have Wolverine, there's a really funny scene where Nick Fury appeals to his sense of patriotism and Wolverine's just like, I'm Canadian. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but both of these uh, characters, both of these Nick Furies, I should say, um, they've witnessed war and they have witnessed the atrocities that go along with that. Uh, but again, the Nick Fury in World War II, he's able to retain some of his idealism, whereas the Nick Fury in Vietnam is just doing whatever it takes to get this job done. In Krakoa, uh, Nick Fury is the moral center. Uh, and he's the one who recognizes the truth about where they are and what it is what the thing is 
Okay, so the where and the who, they're the same. Okay. Um, they He's the one who, he kind of embodies the idea from Ender's Game, uh, which I, I love this idea from, from Ender's Game where um, the concept is to truly know your enemy, you must love your enemy. And, and so you have to, you know, when you love something, that's when you truly know something. And so if you want to destroy your enemy, you want to truly know them, but you must love them. And um, it's something that I wish more people would take to heart, you know, just that understanding of your enemy. Uh, meanwhile, his men are infected by the island and they are dying and they are turning into moss men. And so there's um, there's a really funny scene with, uh, I guess it's not funny, but the, the image to me is funny, of Dum Dum Dugan. And he's he's got his one arm is turning into this kind of moss creature thing. Um, but then I think it was... Um, Gabe, who is turning in, he's his whole body is this moss thing, and and uh, and Dum Dum Dugan's like, it's it's him, he's under there, and man, he must be really miserable because this thing itches, you know. <laughs> and, um, so they're turning into moss men, perhaps even <clears throat> I don't know, uh, swamp monsters of a sort. But anyway, Nick Fury, while not afraid to shoot to win, he's also willing to compromise to find everyone's best interest, and that means even the best interests of a living island. And of course, his own men. I mean, he wants to do whatever he can to help his own, his men, but um, he's willing to, I guess, not necessarily listen, but kind of listen to a living monster island. In Vietnam, uh, Nick Fury has lost his moral center. Um, he's the one who knows the truth about what the special team, the special forces team, is after. He knows what's going on. Um, but he doesn't share all that information because, you know, that's what you do when you're a secret agent who is developing a super soldier symbiote. So uh, Birth Kokoa, uh, that story employs body horror and the atomic testing, like I said, doesn't just affect the environment. It, and it does. I mean, it it's uh it's bad, and you can understand why the island might not be happy with the people who are on the island. Um, but it's also affecting the people, too. And so that you have that body horror thing going on as these, these people are being transformed as a direct result of the atomic testing that the government is doing on this island. And then Fury, of course, is intent on on saving them. Um, Vietnam's horror also, it's a there's body horror going on as um, Fury and Wolverine come up against multiple men infected by the symbiote. And the difference here is that Fury is intent on destroying and or containing them for future use. He's not intent on saving the people within. So reading both these comics on the same day, even though they were released two weeks apart, uh, that it wasn't that much of a coincidence. You know, it was just a really fun experience as I realized how similar they were, but I'm assuming that they are unintentionally similar. Uh, in one, you have Fury focused on saving his fellow man and the monster, and in the other, Fury is focused on using his fellow man and the monster. And as I'm like thinking about these ideas, I'm thinking, boy, if they did this on purpose, they did a wonderful, wonderful thing, but they didn't let anybody in on it. You know, <laughs> and this isn't like here's this special focus on Nick Fury. You know, go buy two Nick Fury comics because they're going to be great and one's from when he was in world war ii and one's from when he's in the vietnam war and and i can imagine if they were doing that on purpose they would have done maybe a third or fourth one you know in two different time periods after that um 
that's not what they were doing. They were doing, you know, the special one shot with the birth of Krakoa, which I'm not even sure what that was intended to be tied into. I think it might've just been, here's a special one shot. You're going to like it. Um, the other one obviously is riding the venom wave right now, which, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what's all going on in that corner of the Marvel universe, but there is stuff going on with, with venom. And obviously you have the movie that came out, but anyway, uh, I don't think that they were intending to have this this much of a, you know a thematic similarity going on because you know as I'm looking at this now I'm analyzing this but this is the kind of thing you know if if you're writing this you want to be thinking about this kind of thing too so I don't know how much of this was on purpose I mean it's two different writers uh, Dennis Hopeless did Bertha Krakoa and Donnie Cates did VNAM. And it's, it's two different writers. If it had been one writer, then I would have definitely given them the benefit of the doubt that this is something they were doing on purpose. But it, it's two different writers. But both versions of the character are really, they're coming from the same place. And that's helping people. But the best of intentions often end up causing us to make poor decisions, uh, even even evil decisions. You know, as I've been learning about parenting and then actually you know learning about uh, parenting uh, training, you know, so I'm actually doing some teaching now about parenting. I'm not a, I'm not the best parent in the world, but I am learning about parenting and I'm, I'm passing on that information to people in some different classes and things. And one thing I've realized as I'm looking at the bad stuff we do as parents, the big parenting mistakes we make is that a lot of time our mistakes and issues that are negative come from positive places. You know, when you're angry at your child, a lot of times that anger is fueled by fear because you don't want your child to um, have to deal with things maybe that you dealt with already and you, you want them to avoid that. But then as I started thinking about that more, I'm realizing it's not just there, uh, you know, in parenting, it's it's all over the place uh, in our lives. You know, the road to hell, as they say, is paved with with good intentions. And a lot of times we don't intend to end up where we're going with like big, big, big problems, they start with small choices that this small choice leads to another small choice that leads to another small choice. And the next thing you know, you've got a big problem. But often evil is driven, at least originally is driven by good motivations. You know, rage, often that comes out of an out of control anger that may have once been a righteous anger. Hate is often fueled by by fear, fear of the unknown or fear of losing something. Violence can be a physical overreaction to protecting what's precious. You know, no one would ever say to someone else, you know what, you really shouldn't protect your child, right? Because that's just something we as humans, that's our human nature. We want to protect our child. But then we may turn around and do something really awful in the name of protecting our child. And maybe this is something that has grown, you know, like a seed where it starts out where I'm just wanting to protect my child. And then that becomes something else and becomes something else where it started with that great positive thing. But it's acted on in a very negative way. Now, the motivation does not excuse the evil. 
Okay. The motivation does not excuse the bad decisions, but understanding the evil, understanding just the bad decisions helps us to find how to stop it or how to help it. And so we have these two Nick Furies. We have one man in two different eras, one at the height of what would be his adult life, the other at that same age, but having his middle-aged years extended unnaturally. The one tries to understand his enemy, and honestly, in some ways, the other one is the enemy who needs to be understood. And they both, you know, have the same motivation. Nick Fury wants to save lives. That is the motivation in both of these comics. But in the one, he goes about it in a very different way. And in the other one, you're like, he's the bad guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's obviously the Venom symbiote, symbiote in there. But uh, you take out the Venom symbiote and, and you know, and you replace it with a bomb. And he's the bad guy, you know. So... The cool thing about these two comics is the artwork also gives that great dichotomy of theme. Uh, Bertha Krakoa has this open and kind of cartoony flavor to the artwork. There are strong shadows and clear, distinct lines. Um, I really, I don't know how to say this name. And so I'm just going to plow through and apologize ahead of time. But uh, Jabril Morissette fan is the artist and it's fantastic artwork. Uh, it's, it's really, really good. But a lot of that credit also needs to go to Rochelle Rosenberg, who's the colorist. And she uses this wonderful palette of blues and oranges and greens in the different scenes. Um, you know, so that you have these kind of early morning scenes with this wonderful orange moody effect to it. But then you have the, the evening scenes with the greens and the blues and just great moody effect. It has a very positive and energetic feel, but then that positive energetic feel makes the scenes of nuclear horror and body transformation and creature horror uh, that much more effective. Meanwhile, in Vietnam's war, um, Juan and Ramirez, that artwork, his artwork is sketchier and there's splattered ink used to great effect in the action and horror moments. And uh, the liquid nature of the symbiote and the, the splashes of blood are really visceral. And this is a much darker book. And even the bright scenes just kind of uh, accent the, the darkness. And uh, it's it's a wonderful looking book as well. Uh, so then you have Krakoa dealing with this heavy subject matter, the dawning of the atomic age. But even so, the book itself, from the artwork to the script to the choices that the characters make to the dialogue between the characters, um, all this stuff comes together and it just has a very optimistic feel. Even as at the end, Fury makes this kind of um, decision. You know, it's not a tough choice. It's just he makes a decision. And uh, at the end, very end, you know, this is after everything's resolved. Um, and if these books were put side by side as two parts of a single unit, uh, you know, that special Nick Fury week that didn't happen, but, they, you know, it feels like almost had happened here. Um, that decision he makes at the end of the comic could be taken as a, a first step toward making these compromising moral choices that lead him to where he's at in, in the Vietnam conflict. Um, but if you're just taking Bertha Krakoa on its own as a one shot, 
um, and you're not reading them side by side or back to back, it actually ends on a, on a note of hope. Uh, and that then that note of hope also brings a little bit of a tragedy to the Vietnam story. Uh, that story is more nihilistic with, uh, again, it has that heavy subject matter, which almost any story dealing with Nam will. Um, but it's almost a tragedy to see that this is the man that the Nick Fury from Bertha Krakoa becomes. So anyway, both of these are really, really well done one shots that I really enjoyed reading. And these two books, I mean, they're, they're their own thing. They have their own purposes and they're written by two different writers, but they will always be linked for me. Even in, I, I'm positive that was not the intention. Uh, and don't get me wrong. These are good standalone stories. Now, I, I said before, I don't know exactly what's going on with uh, why they did a, a one shot that's focusing on um, the birth of Krakoa. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I'm glad they did because I liked it. I, I don't know why. Um, Krakoa has a history. Uh, like I said, that's the island that they go to in Giant Size X-Men number one. And they've done some things to retcon that in different ways over time. And uh, they've they've done other stories that deal with, with Krakoa, but uh, this is the origin story here. And so that's what this is intended to be. Um, the intention with Venom, well, I know there's lots of shenanigans going on with Venom. Um, I guess just recently they revealed that the Spider-Man spider symbol on Venom's chest isn't actually there because of Spider-Man. It's there because by coincidence, Spider-Man had that spider symbol, but there's this kind of symbiote symbol from their past and on the symbiote homeworld or something like that. So yeah, there's, there's all sorts of things going on like that where they're trying to, you know, expand on the mythology of the, of the symbiotes. And honestly, I loved the fact that the mythology of the symbiote was quite simply Spider-Man went to battle world for secret wars. And while he's on this world that was created by the beyonder to have superheroes fight each other, he finds this suit that actually has a life of its own. Like that's just enough. That's enough for me. <laughs> I love that the simplicity of it. Even that can get a little complicated, but it's apparently getting a lot more complicated. I mean, they've gone to the the symbiote home world in the past. I know there was a Guardians of the Galaxy um, run where they were doing some stuff with the symbiotes and that kind of thing. And now we, we have this web of venom. I'm not sure exactly what the extent of the web of venom title is going to be. I just know there's some other one shots that are being planned. But um, I couldn't tell you really what's going on with the symbiotes other than this is definitely setting up something, but I like that it's a one shot. And so whatever, <laughs> whatever they're doing with all that stuff. Um, I bought this comic as a gamble that this would be a story featuring Venom in the past and it would be a good Vietnam comic. And yeah, it didn't feature Venom in the past. I'm glad, you know, it, they're, they're retconning it so that it's other symbiotes or whatever. But as a, both of them, as horror comics featuring soldiers and Nick Fury dealing with monsters as a one shot. They work, they work. And I really liked them. So that is day five 
in our week of weird. You can find more at comicbooktimemachine.com. You can also find my blog where I've been journaling about uh, horror comics daily. So I'm doing one horror comic or one horror comic story every day on the comic book time machine blog. And I've been having a lot of fun with that. Although I've been reading a lot of um, not great comics. I've been reading some good ones too, some great ones. And I was able to like pull in some really good ones on purpose, but man, you know, when you read that much horror anthology books and I'm not even doing that every day, I mean, that's, I'm reading a lot of them though. And, and some of them are just not good. You know what I mean? But, um, that's at comicbooktimemachine.com. Um, if you are interested in Nick Fury and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you can also go to my other podcast, Welcome to Level 7. Just going to throw in a little um, a little plug right there. But um, that's where we are indexing the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, series by series, episode by episode, movie by movie. And it's quite an undertaking, and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah. So with all that said, I want to say thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if you've read these. I don't know of anyone who's read these. That's the one bad thing about my comic book reading right now is I don't really have too many people to talk to who are reading the same things that I'm reading. They just I, I'm interested in things that um, most of my my close friends in the area aren't interested in primarily because they aren't really into comic books, which that's okay. We can talk about other things, but I'm glad I have you, dear listener, to talk to, partially because I come to you, dear listener, at the end of my day when I'm very tired of talking to people and making eye contact with people and trying to engage with people, and it's just kind of nice to be able to just come talk about comics with you. There's not as much give and take as I would like, especially talking about these comics that I really like. Um but I would love to hear from you. Contact me, feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com. Any feedback about specifically uh, topics that I've touched on with Week of Weird or even the the horror, uh, what am I calling it? The October Horror Comic-a-thon 2018. <laughs> and so uh, if you have any thoughts about any of those, I will be talking about any of that feedback um, in day seven, which will be the final day of this week, this, this daily thing for a week. So it's a little bit crazy, a little bit fun. And thank you so much for listening. And, uh, yeah. So now at this point, I just want to say no matter who you are, no matter where you are, whether you're in a jungle avoiding some sort of strange symbiote, or you're on another Island somewhere that's coming alive beneath your feet. I want to wish you Godspeed. years ago, Southeast Asia became a home away from home for two million Americans as they fought in the biggest, the longest, and most controversial conflict their nation had known since the war between the states. Old enough to kill, but too young to vote. This is their story. Stan Lee presents The Nam. <laughs>
Join me, Tom Panneries, as I bring you an issue-by-issue look at The Nam, the Marvel Comics series that documented the lives of troops in the Vietnam War. Each episode covers one issue of the comic, as well as the history of the war, and I also take the occasional look at movies, music, television, novels, and other culture of the Vietnam War. New episodes drop every two weeks at twotruefreaks.com and popcultureaffidavit.com. None will